Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton. I want to thank you all for tuning in, whether you're tuning in on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever that may be, I thank you. If you would, go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss a second of any show. And also, if you're on Apple uh, Podcasts, if you would, go ahead and give me that five-star rating and review. Thank you in advance. Now. Let's get into the show. This week will be more of a show kind of focusing on the big man for the Tennessee Titans who will not be there for a while. That man would be Derek Henry, of course, out with a foot injury. We're going to talk to uh, Teron Davenport from ESPN who covers the Titans, as well as uh, talk to Dr. Aaron Wilson uh, about Derrick Henry and about, of course, the Titans as well. Uh, also, we'll be talking to Nightcast Media owner, Sirius XM radio show host, and many other things, Nick Hamilton, about the matchup between the Rams and the Titans. Of course, it has changed this week now because, of course, Henry's not available. And last but not least, we'll be talking to Amber Vickers today and tonight as well. Uh, she'll definitely be joining the show. She actually works for NFL Films, so give us a unique perspective of watching games from from that angle as well. Uh, we'll get into all that a little later, but first, of course, we have the early hits. First up, Calvin Ridley, the Atlanta Falcons wide receiver, has decided to withdraw from football right now to focus on his mental health. I must definitely applaud him for doing what he felt he needed to do for himself. Some may call it quitting on his team or anything like that. Some people will, but we will not be calling it that on this show. You have to take care of your mental health. And when people understand that your physical health is only what maybe people see, but your mental health is also important as well. It is part of your health period. You cannot function and have a physical well-being and not be mentally well either. Uh, I wish him well on whatever he, feel he feels he needs to do to get his health in order. And I applaud him for having the courage to step aside to take care of that as soon as possible. And I definitely look forward to seeing him back on the football field, you know, contingent upon him, of course, being healthy, both in mind and body uh, as well. Secondly, I want to talk about another former Alabama wide receiver in Henry Ruggs. Of course, uh, everyone is talking about the accident where he was going 156 miles per hour in his vehicle. I think the airbags deployed at 123, I believe, miles per hour. I could be off on that but anyway he's going at a fast rate of speed uh hit someone 
course, uh, the, the person, the woman he killed, he killed a woman and her dog in their car when they were driving. Um, of course, his, his girlfriend is seriously injured. Of course, he is arrested. Of course, DUI, um, you know, of course, you know, and among other things, uh, you know, killing someone. Of course, the Raiders did release him upon finding out about this information. Uh, you know, definitely prayers for... Uh, you know the the young woman and her dog that were that were killed in the accident, and, and definitely prayers and thoughts, prayers towards her family. Uh, also, um, you know, definitely, definitely not a, a smart decision to get behind the wheel, especially when his his alcohol uh, his level was uh, basically two times what the legal limit was. You know, definitely, you know. You, you have to make that call at that point because NFL teams do have a car service that will pick you up if you have, you know, you're, you're, you're not able to drive. Uh, definitely not a great decision. And I know definitely now he's got to live with, with what happened uh, when he was behind the wheel, you know, definitely um, hated that this happened, but you know, he made a choice to get behind the wheel and this is what happened. And, you know, now these are the consequences and he could potentially be, you know, seeing jail time. There's nothing has been has been said of, as of yet, but more than likely he will see jail time. Um, so, you know, definitely again, prayers to that family, prayers to hopefully, um, you know, I, it's a hard lesson to learn. But, you know, this is one that that has you know, it has happened and you have to deal with it one day at a time. And, you know, it, it, it definitely a, a young wide receiver that could definitely have continued to evolve and get better and all of that to a screeching halt because of one bad decision. I hated that 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 happened. And third, but certainly not least. Green Bay Packers MVP quarterback Aaron Rodgers is out this weekend in the, with the game when the game that the Packers were going against the Kansas City Chiefs because he now has COVID. Now that wouldn't be something that probably be talked about a lot, but of course the talk is that he kind of fooled people into thinking he was actually vaccinated because the length of time he has to sit out, uh, the earliest he can come back is on, I believe, the 13th. So that would be 10 days, and that kind of lines up with someone that's unvaccinated. Apparently, he had some kind of treatment with his doctor, his private doctor, and tried to get an exemption. It didn't pass. Of course, you know, people asked him if he was unvaccinated he, or vaccinated. He said he was immunized. So kind of some people are feeling lied to or all those type of things. And, you know, that's, you know, I, I you know, I'm not going to get into the vaccinated versus unvaccinated talk. That's not what I'm getting into right now. What I'm going to get into is the NFL and the NFLPA. Now, the NFL and the NFLPA did have an agreement uh, for those that are unvaccinated. There's certain things they would have to do, i.e. wearing masks when, you know, you're you're in the inside, you know, indoor area. Um, you know, of course, doing interviews and also, um, when, you know, you know, basically the, the gatherings that you can do in terms of, 
you know, how many people. Aaron Rodgers hasn't been doing any of that. If you watch all his interviews, he doesn't even have a mask on when he's when he's in, in the interviews. He also does not uh, had, was at a Halloween party. Of course, he didn't have anybody's mask on there. And he was uh, above the limit of people that the NBA, the NFL and the NFLPA had agreed to. But one thing I've noticed. There has been no fine, no any of that to Aaron Rodgers, at least not publicly. And to that, I say, what are we doing here? That is what was agreed upon between the NFL and NFLPA. So why are we not holding Aaron Rodgers to that standard? Now, I love watching Aaron Rodgers play. I mean, he's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. Some may think he's the best quarterback in the NFL. But rules are rules in this aspect, I would say. I hate using the phrase rules are rules because it gets sent all different ways, whatever. But the NFL and the NFLPA agreed to something, which means you agreed to something, which means that, you know, for the safety of others and what they feel are, is correct thing to do, you have to follow those things. So in my estimation, uh, he should have been fined already at this point. Um, also, if you know an outbreak happens and he hasn't been following any of the rules, then of course you put your team at risk of losing draft picks and things like and being fined as well. So uh, it's going to be interesting to watch if they're going to reverse course and maybe retro fine, if they can do that or fine going forward, I don't know what the NFL and NFLPA can do, but it's just interesting to me that per the NFL PA NFL and NFLPA rules and guidelines that they both agreed on, Aaron Rodgers is not listening or following to any of those yet. Nothing has been done about it. Interesting, to say the least. Up next, we have our our first uh, person coming on. It'd be Dr. Aaron Wilson. We're not going to do a breakdown of the division this week for the sake of time. We'll do that next week. But up next, we've got Dr. Aaron Wilson talking about the injury to Derrick Henry. You're listening to Touring the ASC South with your host, Mike Patton. This Welcome back to Touring the AFC South. I'm your host, Mike Patton. And, of course, one of the biggest injuries in the NFL happened this past Sunday with Derrick Henry suffering a foot injury that required surgery. That happened on Tuesday of this week. There's been no timetable set from the Titans. And, of course, Tennessee uh, head coach Mike Vrabel, you know, he hasn't said whether he's coming back or not or any kind of thing there. You know, initial reports would be six to ten weeks uh, before we could possibly see Henry on the field. Of course, we don't know for sure, 
But, you know, with what we do know and what we can, I guess, talk about, uh, we're going to break all that down. Uh, of course, the information on his injury was someone who's definitely familiar with the human anatomy and the human body, bones, things like that, Dr. Aaron Wilson. Thank you for coming back on again. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> all right. One thing I noticed uh, was Henry maybe got his injury earlier in the game. Giddy was able to go back on the field and finish the game. I noticed he was walking a little differently as well. Um, how was he able to finish the game with a foot injury he, he suffered? Well, one of the main things about the fracture, I mean, it goes back to the anatomy. So the Jones fracture, kind of similar to the injury that Carson Wentz had earlier in August, like around training camp. It's a, a term used for a fracture at the base of your fifth metatarsal. So that's going to be uh, towards the outside of your foot, like in the middle of your foot along the side where your pinky toe is. So if you're looking at the foot, you have the toes, right? And then you have your heel, and then you have the bones that are in the middle that kind of connect those two ends of your foot. And then when you're talking about where exactly on the foot from medial inside to lateral, it's going to be the outside of your foot. So it's the middle bone, the furthest to the outside, and it's usually some type of fracture. Um, could be a stress fracture, um, or it could be, you know, something where a piece of the bone actually chips off, which they call an, an avulsion fracture. Obviously, the Titans haven't really given us too many details, uh, which nobody should be surprised about. But as far as him being able to continue to play, you know, that's not necessarily injury, an injury where structurally you can't continue to walk. It's painful. You know, it's tender to the touch. You know, you're not going to be able to form or weight bear as normal, which you saw, which is why he didn't finish. But it's not something like a ACL tear where you can't bear weight on your leg because literally the ligament that's connecting your patella to your lower leg is ripped. You see what I mean? Yes. Mm -hmm. Um. Now, I just have a question. I, I don't. I don't profess to be in the medical field, but if you were the trainer, would you have let him go back in the game? Um. I mean, it depends because I mean, when you're out there, you you don't you can't tell that it's a Jones fracture just by him limping. You know, it could be anything. I mean, it could be a bruised a bruised metatarsal. I mean, it could be, you know, plantar fasciitis acting up, could be a heel spur, could be an ankle sprain. You know, you the only way you can really diagnose that it's a fracture is with the x-ray. So unless they took him off the field and took him to the back and x-rayed his foot, there's no way that the trainer can say, oh, he has a Jones fracture, but I'm going to let him go back in. You know what I mean? So as far as on-field decisions, it's always a collective effort based on Kind of your experience based on your ability to, to examine the outside of the foot, touch it, feel it, get subjective complaints from your patient, who's the athlete, you know, and then based on that, you make an educated decision on whether or not they can continue to play. But as far as you know, to confirm it 100%, they would have had to actually split during the game, which we know probably didn't happen. Gotcha. 
Okay. Now, as far as a running back, uh, you know, I know there's a few different things that, you know, Chris, you use your feet for to plant, things like that. Now, um, you know, what kind of, you know, schedule, I would say, um, you know, is he looking at in terms of trying to make it back on the field? Any human, whether he be an athlete or a 50-year-old man who has a uh, Jones fracture or any type of fracture, your bone needs time to heal. And bone, any bone that has a fracture in it to fully heal is going to take at least six to eight weeks um, to heal. And then the biggest part of that particular fracture where it's located in your foot, there's poor blood supply, which makes that one of the slower healing fractures because you need blood supply, you need oxygen in order for the fractures to heal. So he's going to have to rest. He's going to have to be off of it. And when he just had surgery Tuesday, he's going to have to be off that foot, I mean, for at least a couple of weeks before they can even think about trying to do any type of rehab or weight bearing or anything like that. He has to be off, but there's a period of immobilization. There's a period of rest where he can't do anything but allow his foot to heal because bone has to heal before he can work on anything else. So, um, you know, the six to 10 week time frame that they're giving, you know, that's a lot of impact now. Um, as far as turning back to the field, you know, that's just going to remain to be seen. I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete. He's always in shape. There's always videos about his off-season workouts and what he does to keep himself at the top of his game. So as far as that's concerned, I don't think that they're worried about it. Like you said, they they know he's going to do everything possible to get back on the field. He just can't control how fast bones heal. That's something that's outside of his control. Yeah, unless he's like an X Man or or anything. Yeah, like unless that. he's Wolverine, I don't, I don't see, I don't <laughs> see him coming back before the end of the season, regular season, anyway. Got you, got you. So definitely, you know, whether he's a small guy or a big guy, you know, of course, that's not going to affect, you know, how fast he comes back. It's no, just, it won't. It won't affect how fast he comes back. It might have something to do with, you know, the injury itself happening. You know, he's a very big guy. You know, his running style, he runs very fast for, for being as muscular as in shape that he's in. Um, you know, he carries the ball quite a bit. Jones fracture is uh, more often than not a stress fracture, which stress fractures usually come from high impact, high, high impact, high level activity. He gets a lot of reps. He gets a lot of carries, you know, and his running style is very hard on the body, you know, so I would say this type of injury, and then a lot of times, you know, people get this, this type of injury when they're doing something where their foot is kind of planted and twisted, which we know is very common in running backs, so um, all of that goes into play, and then plus just simple anatomy, a lot of people who have higher arches in their foot they're more susceptible to this type of injury because they don't weight bear in their foot evenly. They distribute a lot of their weight on the outside of their foot because the inside of their foot, their arches are so high. So, you know, just other things to think about. Got you, got you. I'm going to end it with this question right here. Uh, well, I do have one other question. I'm sorry, before I get the final one. Uh, you know, is there going to be a level of pain tolerance involved with him coming back or trying to come back this season as well? 
Oh, for sure, especially if he tries to come back closer to the six, the six-week mark. You know, I mean, obviously, when you're talking about high-level athletes like that, they have access to around-the-clock rehab. You know that the average person who is rehabbing from a Jones fracture necessarily wouldn't. You know, so they can have rehab two, three, four times a day, where you're working on pain management, you're icing, you know, you're you're using e stem to kind of to kind of work on any nerve pain he might have. You know, uh, massage therapists. You know, they have all these things at their disposal as far as getting back fast and managing the pain. But you know. Once you start weight bearing on it and kind of you're putting shoes on again, you're putting cleats on, you know, it becomes a different, different kind of bad game. And then, you know, he's more than likely the surgery that he had, the pin is going to stay in his foot. So, you know, surgeries put you back together. They never make you normal. Your foot's never the same. But they're going to put it back so that anatomically you can do what you need to do, which is for him, he needs to be able to run, cut, jump, do all this stuff. So, um, he's going to deal with a level of pain, like I said, especially if he's trying to come back closer to the six-week mark, which if we're in week eight, that's going to put up week 14, 15, and depending on where Tennessee is as far as the playoff picture, it may not be, it may not be necessary to rush him back closer to six. They may be able to push him out to eight, which you know, the more rest you can get on that type of injury, the better. So, um, either way, it's something that he's going to have to deal with over the next three, four months. I, I expect him to have some type of level of pain, which, you know, most players pay with play with some level of play, pain anyway. It's it's a hard game. Right, right. And, uh, you know, at least to my last question, could there be any, like, lingering pain for, like, the rest of his career with this <laughs> Now, I don't necessarily think it has to be a career-long thing. Like I said, I've never seen Derrick Henry split, so I don't I don't necessarily know, you know, if he has super high arches or how he runs or what type of cleats he wears or, you know, things like that. All of those things matter, especially when you're talking about the flip. You know, just like people with low arches, you know, they tend to be more prone to high ankle sprains just because of the way that they bear so much weight on the inside of their foot. So, you know, it could linger for a couple of months. But like I said, we've made so many strides as far as rehab and pain management, off-season protocols and, you know, uh, dry needling and all kinds of stuff that can be used. I mean, I don't think that this has to be a career thing. And he's still... He's still fairly young, and he takes very good care of his body. So I think that is something that, I mean, of course, I think it's going to last him the rest of this year, even if he does come back. Um, but I definitely don't think it has to be a career-long thing. Gotcha. Well, definitely, uh, I want to thank you for coming on, and thank you for kind of breaking down the foot injury and kind of uh, walking us through where it may have been and what kind of road he has ahead, uh, you know, Thank you for coming on again. And is there anything, you know, uh, you got going on or want to talk about in terms of what you have going on or anybody can reach you for any advice? Um, anybody who ever wanted to reach me can follow me on Twitter. Um, Aaron, E-R-I-N-B as in Victoria, 1985. The same name on Instagram. 
capital E R I N B one nine eight five. Um, me and my colleagues also just opened up our own uh, private physical therapy and wellness clinic in Midtown Atlanta. It's called Peach Rehab. You can follow our clinic Instagram at Peach P E A C H. All one word. So that's kind of what I got going on. My alma mater, Florida State, is currently sitting at three and five. Um, so I'm kind of dealing with that. But my secondary team is Alabama, and they've only lost one game. So that's where I'm at with it. You knew where I was going. You knew where I was going. <laughs> but hey, I will say this: Tennessee has done better than I thought they would in terms of Tennessee. Wolves. My secondary so, team. What's that? <laughs> Got to have a secondary team when your when your school disappoints you. You got to have a backup plan. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Thank you for coming on. Uh, and everyone, you've been uh, listening to Touring the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. That's Woody. Welcome to Touring the AFC South. I'm your host, Mike Patton. And, of course, the Tennessee Titans were flying high after an exciting overtime win over AFC South rival Indianapolis that took them to 6-2 on the season. Of course, all that joy quickly turned to shock when the news dropped that Derrick Henry I'm sorry, would be out uh, indefinitely with a foot injury. Of course, Henry had foot surgery on Tuesday morning. Of course, Mike Vrabel didn't give a timetable on that return, but the Titans get their first test, and it's a big one from the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday night in primetime, of course, without Derrick Henry. Of course, that's going to be the place where they'll be playing the Super Bowl as well. Here to talk uh, some Tennessee Titans with me is ESPN reporter, writer, uh, and, of course, host of uh, Talking with TD, Teron Davenport. What's going on, man? What's up, man? Appreciate you having me. Yes, sir. Thanks for coming on. So I have to ask you, what has been the mood over at the Titans facilities with Derek out for an extended period of time? I think to a man, they're challenged to, to step up, you know, and, and obviously they, they miss Derek because he has such a tremendous value to the football team from a statistical standpoint, from an influence on defensive standpoint, from a leadership standpoint. Oftentimes when you see them breaking down the huddle, you know, after – after, uh, you know, games or even just at, at different times, it's, it's Derrick Henry in the center of it. So that's going to be missed. But I, I like the way the guys have responded as far as they're still maintaining that next man up mentality. And they're just like, hey, look, man, it, you know, we each got to step up and, and play our part. And we're just focused on our individual role. And I, I think that's the right way to approach it. All right. Well, definitely. Uh, I, I picked up that kind of vibe as well. Um you know, as for the game plan of Titans, uh, you know, Coach Mike Vrabel did state, uh, I, I watched one of the clips you put up about uh, Mike Vrabel talking about the, uh, you know, he plans to still, still stick to the running game yeah. uh, as the basis. Of course, the Titans signed Adrian Peterson and signed uh, Deontay Foreman to the practice squad um, as well to uh, to go along with Jeremy McNichols. Right. Uh, in your estimation, do you feel that 
it's truly a running back by committee now without Henry with McNichols, I'm sorry, leading the charge? Yeah, I, I think it is going to be a, a, you know, running back by committee. We'll, we'll see how that works, you know, if, if it truly develops into that. Adrian Peterson and Deontay Foreman on, on Thursday at practice, they were during individual period. Coach Tony Dews had a few practice squad defenders come over and, and bang with them a little bit during each of the reps during drills. And I would imagine that's to get those guys used to contact and try to accelerate the process of them being able to get onto the football field. For me, I would imagine it's going to be a, a mixture of those three guys on, on first and second down. But make no mistake about it, third down, that's Jeremy Nichols. That's that's his. He's going to continue to occupy that. He even had that for the most part when, when Derrick Henry was on the football field. So I think that's how it's going to go. But don't be surprised to see a little bit more of the passing game, the short, quick, immediate passing game, smoke routes and those type of things be an extended part of the rushing attack. Gotcha. Now, of course, I got to talk about other weapons uh, with the Titans. And uh, one of those weapons is Julio Jones. Mm -hmm. In and out of the lineup this season. Any word on if he'll be playing in this game versus the Rams at this point? Yeah, I think he will uh, be playing. Um, sorry about that. I'm following up on something I was trying to get earlier. Yeah, I think he will be playing. Just in watching him today, uh, he, he looked good, right? And, and when I say he looked good, I'm talking about his ability to start and stop. And that's something that I've spoken to him before about. And he said that that hamstring is it's primarily a maintenance thing and it's not something that you know has impacted that acceleration and deceleration. And you know, as being a former athlete, how much that hamstring plays in that role. So that's a good thing. Got to see him run some routes and, and, and do some of the stuff, catch the ball, turn up field and explode up field. Those are all positive. So I think all signs are pointing to him play. But we just have to see what happens on Friday, right? Because that's that's really going to be the, the main indicator. Um, I, they're going to need him, though, without a doubt. Now, I will say that, uh, of course, uh, with Derrick Henry, teams always pack the box and, you know, eight, nine people in the box, man-to-man, -man, more than likely outsides, things like that. Now, Derrick Henry's out. Uh, in your estimation, do you expect the Rams to pack the box, uh, you know, despite Derrick Henry not being there? No. You're not going to see too much stack in the box without Derrick Henry uh, unless somehow, some way, Adrian Peterson goes back to the 2012 version that, that, that we saw. I don't think that's really going to happen. Teams are going to be a lot less likely to do that. They're going to uh, have safeties play back a bit further. And this week, you're going against a team that has a guy in Jalen Ramsey, you know, a Nashville product that is able to just, you know, he could shut most receivers down. So I'll really be watching that matchup against uh, Julio Jones or A.J. Brown, whoever that should be. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I don't think they're going to stack the box, though. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, I was kind of hoping against hope, give, give some Titans fans a little hope there. But, you know, hey, I understand. I wouldn't I wouldn't stack the box either. <laughs> right. Um, of course, you know, the Titans uh, have passed the test when it comes to the Colts, Chiefs, and Bills offenses. The Rams, of course, present a whole set of problems with, you know, Cooper Cup and, um, you know, Robert Woods, and, you know, Tyler Higby and those guys. Um, with the Rams having such a dynamic passing game and the Titans having injuries in the secondary, uh, do you think they're equipped to handle this passing game this week with what they have? That's a good question. You know, with Chris Jackson and, and Greg Maven having missed practice a lot this week and Christian Fulton not, as of now, 
not being uh, activated to return to practice. He hasn't even been designated to do that, so I doubt that he's playing. Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, uh, Robert Woods. Now, Robert Woods is right there with anybody as far as the route running. Uh, Cooper Cup is an excellent route runner, but the yards after catch. He has three catches uh, of 50 yards or more. That's very explosive. That's him, you, you know, really uh, showing off. And he, he also has become, you know, somewhat of a vertical. That guy's unstoppable. I'll put it that way. So it's going to be really tough, especially when you look at this play-action passing game that has the ability to – to boot and, and move to one side and throw to the opposite because of Matthew Stafford's arm, his ability to throw from the right side to the left side across the field, 60 yards down the field, is something that's rare. That's that's what uh, Sean McVay, he, he's done a really good job of designing plays. That's actually a part of my whiteboard Wednesday. One of the things that, that you know, they they hit Van Jefferson on, on a 67-yard uh, touchdown, I want to say, or it might even be 72. Those two numbers stand out. I don't remember which one it was. But – Nevertheless, it was a bomb that they threw, and he was able to score a touchdown. So those are some of the things that they have to be very wary of. And then, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, play action. And I tell you what's interesting, and this is a good case study for the Titans, just because the Rams don't truly have a threat at running back, right? They're, they're not a team where you go in and say, hey, we have to stop the run. But their play action is one of the best in the, in the league. So it's kind of showing proof that you don't have to have an outstanding running, rushing attack to have a good play action uh, pass a game. However, obviously having the Martian Derrick Henry back there makes things a lot easier. Uh, you know, defensive players are going to be more inclined to, to bite on those things. But at the same time, it's still possible for the Titans to, to run play action. And uh, the Rams are, are showing proof of that. Gotcha. Okay, now I am going to visit a little bit of Whiteboard Wednesday, actually. That was part of what I had to ask you. <laughs> but it was a different one. Uh, you know, I saw on Whiteboard Wednesday, you know, for those that aren't aware, on uh, IG and, uh, or, excuse me, Instagram, Facebook, ESPN.com, you can see Teron Davenport drawing up a play that could potentially help the Titans win, whether offensively or defensively. One particular uh, Whiteboard Wednesday stuck out to me from a couple weeks ago, where you showed mm -hmm. Landry off the ball rushing from a, oh, like, yeah. a little bit more linebacker depth. Along with Jeffrey Simmons lined up in one spot, Nico Archer lined up in another, and David Long uh, taking up a big gap with his abilities, you know, being responsible for the huge gap. Um, can we expect this formation potentially, and maybe some other ones coming from uh, the Titans' defense, kind of, kind of give the Rams a different look? I would expect that. You didn't see it as much uh, against the Colts. There were some times where they used it, but I would expect that because. I think really the key when you have a gunslinger like Matthew Stafford that thinks he could get the ball anywhere on the field, you want to get him off his block and, and make him put that ball in harm's way. The thing when you have a game like this, that's your ultimate equalizer, the turnovers. And by the way, the Titans have nine turnovers in the last six games. Kevin Byer accountable for four of them, and he returned one fumble for a touchdown. Just a little footnote there. I definitely feel that you'll see some of that, but what they have to do is make sure that if they're in that package, whether they're they're stunning where they'll have Dupree stunt inside and Landry loop around on the outside, you got to make sure that you maintain that outside contain because they're booting, right? And if you're not going to get home as, as he boots to your side, if you're not going to get to him, put your hands up because you want to be able to knock the pass down uh, because he, he's going to roll to either side and try to throw the football. So those are some of the things you want to do. But then at the same time, 
Sean McVay is no slouch when it comes to calling plays. So as he sees the guy start to outside contain, you might see a, a quick off tackle or, you know, a, a lead in, in that uh, uh, interior gap just to try to, you know, go against the guys maintaining the outside contain. Yeah, kind of a little bit to throw out the tendencies uh, a little exactly. bit. Um, now, <clears throat> of course, you know, the Titans are the underdog, and you know how the Titans do? When they're underdogs, they tend to show mm-hmm. up and show up well. For the Titans to win, they have to do what in this game especially well? Uh, I think they need to – I, I'm going to say, and it's, it's cliche, but they have to play complimentary football. And I'm talking about an offense. I think they have to establish some type of presence of the rushing attack, show that they are going to still work to run the football and play action off of that. Uh, I'll say this. They need to maximize A.J. Brown. And I don't care if Jalen Ramsey is covering him or not. You still need to maximize him. And if Ramsey is covering him, there are things you could do. You could try to move him across the formation. You can motion him. You could have him do different things. And uh, Ramsey is a very strong cornerback. He tackles really well. He does a good job of blowing through blocks against those smoke screens and those type of things. I still would test that. And I would also use his aggressiveness against him, run some double moves and some of those things. I know for a fact this is a matchup that A.J. Brown is really looking forward to. I talked to him last summer uh, about that, and he mentioned how, you know, the first time he went against Jalen Ramsey – it, it was it was not good for him. You know, he mentioned the weather. And he just mentioned, you know, just how good of a corner Ramsey was. And he's looking forward to that rematch. And it sounds like we got a, a nice one, a uh, fun one to look forward to in terms of uh, those oh, yeah. two on uh, Sunday night. Um, now, offensively, uh, outside of uh, A.J. Brown, of course, who's one person who has to have a strong game for them to win? Uh, I mean – there's a few players that we can mention. I, I, I'll throw one out there, and, and uh, I, I'll go with I'll go with Chester Rogers, and I, I think or Marcus Johnson. I think that third receiver, uh, Julio Jones, obviously. So that's kind of like a, you yeah, know, a layup. Right there. Let's, let's shoot some jumpers here, and, and I, I'll go with Marcus Johnson or, or Chester Rogers, and I, I think those guys just because of what they're able to do out of the slot, that quick passing game, running the, the whip routes, and, and you know, choice, those different things out of the slot. That's also an extension of the rushing game, right? It's a quick catch and throw. So those guys, they need to make some plays. And nobody's talking about it, but this is a, a, a return game for Josh Reynolds. You know, he's a guy that the Rams drafted and, and he developed there, wasn't, you know, really used to his full potential. He always smiles when you mention Ryan Tannehill because Jared Goff, you know, kind of, you know, uh, what's the word? Um, sabotage his deep threat ability. So uh, that's another one that, that could be a surprise option, but it is really going to depend on how much they use him. He hasn't been used much lately. Got you. As far as, far as uh, defensively, uh, we know Harold Landry, we know Bayard. Well, who's, who's got to be the uh, unsung hero for the Titans to win? Yeah, I'm going to say David Long. And <laughs> I, I this is the face anytime – I say David Long's name or he's mentioned, this is the face that you get because I love watching that guy play. I love instinctive, natural players. And this is something that that he has. And we talked about this from the, the moment he set foot on a Titans uh, uh, training camp field. That's that's the first thing that, that we talked about was 
how playing in that wide open conference, you know, ha has allowed him to be so comfortable in space and make that transition natural. And, and you see that. So I think he will be a big time guy. And here's why. Obviously, you're going against the run, but they like to run a lot of crossing routes and those type of things. So his ability to carry that crossing route, you, you know, until it has to be passed off to a, a safety or, or whoever else um, and just kind of disrupt that. I think that's really important because that's one of the things that they do to get K Cooper Cup the football in, in space and allow him to get those yards after the catch. So he, he'll be key in that. And you could also blitz him, right? You, you want to mix in some things, you know, show him different looks to find ways to get pressure. Well, man, uh, it's definitely going to be a uh, an interesting game. It was going to be Derrick Henry versus Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and the Rams defense. But now it's the Titans versus the, the, the Rams, and no one believes they can win. We've yeah. probably seen that before. <laughs> uh, multiple so, times. <laughs> right, right. I just want to thank you for coming on. Uh, if you would, tell everyone where they can uh, – reach out to you uh, where they can uh, connect with you on uh, social media, whatever you'd like to tell. Yeah, for sure. At T Davenport underscore NFL. That's my Twitter, my Instagram. I, I'm so bad with that. It is. It's Teron Davenport underscore NFL. And uh, you can ESPN.com. Of course, go ahead and click the NFL page, click, click teams and then Titans. Go ahead and subscribe to that. You get all my, my posts there. Whiteboard Wednesday, anything that I post about, uh, the, the Titans is there. And also talking with TD, searching on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or uh, iTunes, anywhere you find your, your deluxe podcast, you can find mine on there, talking with TD, ESPN, 102.5, the game. Definitely uh, check that out, thegamenashville.com. Definitely uh, a good listen. And uh, I'll say this. I live for the introductions that you and uh, Chris Sanders have each week. <laughs> every week, man, it's a random basketball player. Every week. It started because he started calling me Robert Parrish. So I, I couldn't <laughs> let him go. So I, I had to get him, you know, whether it's, it's Clint Richardson, Michael Cage, Tyrone Hill, Xavier McDaniel. I've had a bunch of names for him. I'm, I'm going to have another one for him this week. Didn't he call you the uh, one of the one of the members of the Jackson 5 one time? Yeah, he's always saying some more off the wall stuff, man. <laughs> the funny is he called Jared uh, uh, Stillman. He called him John Candy, and I still can't. Live. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Well, thank you again for coming on. Uh, yeah, everyone, you've been listening to Touring the AFC South. Uh, stay tuned for what's coming next. That's witty. Back to touring the AFC South. I'm your host, Mike Patton. And uh, of course, the Tennessee Titans are what uh what many thought were in the are in the toughest stretch of the season. Of course, you know, the Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, Indianapolis Colts, and now the Los Angeles Rams. Rams are currently in second place in the NFC West with a seven-one record behind the Arizona Cardinals. Originally, this was going to be a matchup of Derrick Henry versus the Titan versus Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and that Rams defense. But of course, some things have changed. Derrick Henry's injured. Of course, it still presents a good matchup with the Titans and the Rams, and uh, here to help uh, get all of us over here in the South a little bit more familiar and up-to-date is uh, Nightcast Media owner 
Sirius XM radio show host and journalist reporter of all things Los Angeles, Nick Hamilton. What's going on, man? We're having a little technical difficulties right now, but we're working it out. We're working it out. We're working it out. Well, we're, Nick will be right back. Okay. Uh, yeah. But what we're going to talk about tonight is uh, we're going to talk about a little bit of uh, the Los Angeles Rams. And, you know, they've definitely started the season very well. You know, you've got the, the pairing of uh, Jalen Ramsey is one of the best defensive players in the NFL. And then, of course, you know, Aaron Donald, who some considered the best player in the NFL. And, you know, we're definitely going to talk about the Rams and the pairing of the Titans as well. Ah, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Sorry about yes, that. Sir. All right. Well, you know, of course, uh, you know, I want to talk about, of course, the Rams and the matchup with the Titans. But, of course, I want to know a little bit more about you. So how did you get started covering uh, and talking sports in Los Angeles, man? You know, ironically, you know, you grow up, man, you know, newspapers, you know, you talk crap with your friends, barbershops, things of that nature. So I uh, kind of was just geared towards it. And uh, eventually when I went back to school, I, I obtained an internship at ESPN LA and uh, worked in, worked for them for quite a while, uh, just behind the scenes and kind of understanding the business for what it is and radio as well as, you know, marketing and things like that. Um, then I just struck out on my own and started working for, you know, smaller outlets uh, in the beginning. I tell this to people all the time, man, I didn't get paid, really started getting paid until about my fourth year in this business. So, you know, you pay a lot of dues, you work a lot of long nights and, and early days, and uh, you just have a vision and a goal that you want to obtain. And you, you don't stop until you do, and that's why I'm still going now. And uh, I've been able to, you know, contribute to a few pieces with AP and, uh, AXS.com and, you know, working for NBC for a period of time out here in Los Angeles, and uh, you know, just do, just appearing, you know, in various places. And now, you know, where I am at, at Sirius XM and Slam Radio doing a weekly sports show on there and then, uh, you know, doing the opposite reaction, which is myself and my other host, Jackie Ray, which is on the Good News Radio Network. And, you know, just talking about a plethora of, of topics and subjects uh all the way to being on nbc twice a month here in los angeles uh going rogan and you know making guest appearances on fox soul and other places like that so it's just been a hell of a ride man but you know i keep pushing uh you know began rebranded with nightcast media during the pandemic um it was originally nightfall media but then we had to rebrand due to some legality so uh the company itself technically has been around for just about three years now um so we just, you know, we're just moving and shaking, man. We continue to expand. We got a lot of great things on the horizon. So, you know, de definitely stay tuned. But uh, I'm going to be in the mix, you yes, know, like, like nothing else. So I'm here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Definitely like to see that, man. I remember the first time I met you in uh, in Atlanta, man, for the Super Bowl. Yeah. Great times, man. Yeah, that was fun, man. That was fun. Hopefully that, that could be recreated out here in L.A. in February of next year. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Definitely. Of course, man, you know, now we established that, you know, you've been hustling and, and you're definitely doing your thing. Um, 
you know, of course, we're going to slow it down and talk about the Los Angeles Rams. Of course, they made a little noise this week at the trade deadline acquiring a future Hall of Famer in Von Miller. Did you see that one coming? And what do you think he adds to the Rams? No, I did not see that coming at all. I won't even tell that lie on your program, man. I did not <laughs> see that coming. Uh, but I'm glad I'm, 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 I have to agree with Sean McVay. Hey, if you can get it done, let's do it. And uh, it was a hell of a trade. I mean, it was a major trade. It, and let me tell you something. The Rams, as an organization, is a great organization because they've been able to make some really big moves. It's not the first big move they've done. I mean, since they returned to Los Angeles, they've been able to really gamble and make some big moves that have paid off in their favor. You look at Jalen Ramsey, uh, obviously, you know, letting Ty Gurley go and still being able to pay his contract and then bringing on, uh, you know, some some much-needed help. Uh, you look at what they've developed in Darren Donald. Um, you look at what they've been able to accomplish with Matthew Stafford and just bringing him. He's an upgrade at quarterback uh, through, through the draft. I mean, you look at last year in the second round when you got Cam Akers and, you know, Va uh, Van Jefferson. Uh, due to the Brandon Cooks trade, you know all of these all of these moves. I mean, even now when you look at Jake, you know you look at Jake Funk, you look at Jacob Harris, uh, late you know late round uh, picks that are you know that definitely going to make some moves in the, in the coming future for this team. And when you look at Von Miller and what he brings to the table, I mean, this is an 11 year guy, Super Bowl champion. He is, I mean, he has what 110 and a half sacks career. Uh, so he brings that. He brings a ring, and he also brings veteran experience. And not only can you and you pair him with Aaron Donald, that's going to be a nightmare for opposing offensive coordinators. I, I mean, as if they already are, aren't up late at night already now, they're going to be up to the wee hours of the morning trying to figure out how to scheme against Aaron Donald and Von Miller. And then on top of that, you got a lot of young guys like Ernest Jones, who's up and coming. He can learn from that that experience that Von Miller can bring. Uh, you look at a lot of a lot of some of the other young guys on the squad. Uh, in that defense, but that defense is rock solid now, um, especially on the interior. Um, guys with double and triple team in Aaron Donald, I don't see that happening anymore. It reminds me uh, sort of like when Indominus Sue came that year where guys were no longer double and triple team in Aaron Donald. You got to play straight up man to man, or if you do double team Aaron Donald, you're going to free up Indominus Sue, and that's not good either. And that's how I see Von Miller. You can free up Von Miller if you want to, but good luck on trying to try to contain him and, and ultimately trying to stop him. Good luck with that. I wish you well. Man, man, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm over here imagining the possibilities when I saw that go down, man. But, uh, you know, <clears throat> of course, uh, we got to talk about the team, the, the uh, Rams will be facing on Sunday, which, of course, will be the Tennessee Titans. Of course, we mentioned they took a huge hit with Derrick Henry being diagnosed with a foot injury that, of course, requires surgery. He had surgery. Uh, I think I believe it's a Jones fracture and he'll be out indefinitely. They're thinking maybe the end of the season, but, you know, you can never tell with a foot injury and rehab. Mm -hmm. um, the Rams' defense has been good, but they haven't been like a shutdown defense this year, like, you know, previous years. Do you still see ways the Titans present issues for them? Absolutely. I mean, you still have – I mean, having Adrian Peterson in the mix, I mean, people can say what they want. This is the bionic man. Uh, I don't think this man is human. I think he's from another planet, from another <laughs> world, because there's no way in hell you can tell me a man can recover fully in six months from a devastating knee injury and put punishment on opposing defenses. And I, I think he still has some tread left on the tires. I think that's what the Tennessee Titans saw, and that's why they were able to acquire him the way that they did. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, can, you know, he's he's been, you know, he's been a good quarterback. I think he's gonna, you know, if you're not careful and you, you sleep on him, 
he'll make you pay in different ways. Um, so the secondary for the Rams has definitely got to be on point with their wide receiver targets as well. They've got to make sure they can contain their wide receiver targets, anybody not named Jalen Ramsey. Good luck on throwing to Jalen Ramsey's side, but on the other side, you still got an open hole. So you got to make sure you tighten that up as well if you're the Rams defense. And then also being able to stop the run. And I think if Von Miller is available, we still don't know uh, that he's listed as day-to-day. Um, so we still not, we're still not sure if he's going to be able to participate at all uh, in the Titans Sunday night affair at SoFi. But even without you know Von Miller this week, I think the Rams are definitely going to have to tighten up the run defense. Uh, something that's been kind of plaguing them a little bit in the last couple of games. And I think if you're able to shore that up and kind of contain Adrian Peterson and kind of make them force the Titans to be one-dimensional, I think you got a hell of a ball game. And I think the Rams can definitely capitalize on that and, and become out the victors. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, of course, uh, you know, we do have to flip to the other side of the, of the ball, which is the Titans' defense. And uh, one guy that has been highly effective for the Titans' defense this year, Harold Landry III. He's currently side, uh, tied, I'm sorry, for uh, second in the league in sacks right now. Um, do you expect the Rams to give him a little bit more attention this week? I think the Rams not only give him a little more attention, but just the entire defense as a whole. I mean, you can't take any defenses in this league lightly. I mean, look what happened with the with the Detroit Lions when they went up big, 14 nothing. Um, so I think the Rams kind of got a wake-up call and, 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 you know, pretty much figured out, listen, we got to tighten up. We got to make sure that, you know, we can't take teams or guys lightly. And I think that when you look at this team, yeah, he's been dynamic uh, for the Titans. And I think the Titans defense is nothing to, to sneeze at or laugh at. Um, I think they're serviceable. I think they've been, you know, doing pretty good as far as the AFC South is concerned. Um, so I think, you know, Matthew Stafford is going to have his work cut out for him, uh, especially him dealing with some, you know, some back issues over during the course of the week. But I, I expect him to be full, uh, fully healthy and ready to go come Sunday night uh, along with Robert Woods. So I think they're definitely going to be able to ex- expose the, the Titans defense, but they've definitely got to continue to remain uh, with the aerial attack as well as the ground and pound. They continue to ground and pound, whether they're using Daryl Henderson for a moment and then going to Sony Michelle and let him get some yardage in and c- continue to keep the chains moving, then the Rams are going to have a field day. And don't don't and let's not forget, Matthew Stafford does have a strong arm. This is not Jerry Goff. This is Matthew Stafford who can air it out, as we've seen in, in, in weeks prior, whether he had Deshaun Jackson or Van Jefferson at the time or whether he had Robert Woods or Cooper Cup. Uh, this is a guy that has a lot of weapons, and, and the Titans are going to be with their hands full because the Rams do have a lot of weapons out there. They have, you know, Tyler Higby. They have guys that can catch in the backfield, like like I said earlier, Daryl Henderson and Sonny Michelle. Uh, you have aerial assault, so and you have a good line. You have a good line. You know, have Andrew Whitworth uh, coming back uh, into the fold this week, so that's going to help. You know, shore up that left side for Matthew Stafford, kind of get some time in the pocket if he needs it to get the ball off. So. The Tennessee Titans definitely have their hands full. Um, but I, I, like I said before, I think the Rams have this game. If they continue to play their style of football and be disciplined enough to just take it, you know, uh, down by down and, and, and make sure that you can keep, keep the chains moving and eat up enough clock uh, as far as time of possession is concerned. Gotcha. Okay. You know, of course, we know that the Rams are can be explosive offensively, as you mentioned, of course, with the, the passing game with, uh, Matthew Stafford and in the many uh, aerial assaults he can he can put up. Um, but one guy, of course, you know that you always have to worry about Cooper Cup. He's going to be a handful for the Titans, and he's going to draw a lot of attention. More than likely, uh, maybe shade the defense there because 
I don't see them putting Janoris Jenkins on him one on one. That'd be that'd be crazy. But you know, of course, uh, who's the one guy that may be further down the scouting report that the Titans need to pay attention to most? Well, I would say two guys. I would say Robert Woods, and I would say absolutely. Uh, well, actually, three. Let me excuse me. Let me say Robert Woods. I would say Van Jefferson, who's continuing to emerge. Uh, I think a lot of teams kind of underestimate him because he's not often used. But then when he is often used, it kind of throws teams off um, as he continues to excel in, in his role. And then also, too, listen, I got to look at I got to look at Sony Michelle. I think Sony Michelle is going to get a few more touches than he got last week uh, just because of the way that the Titans defense happens to be structured. Um, so, you know, be on the lookout for that as well. Um, they've been they've worked really well together, Sonny Michelle and Daryl Henderson. I think they've really worked well together and really kind of been under the radar under the radar. I don't think a lot of people nationally have really talked about this running back dy- dynamic duo. Um, we always, you know, so unfortunately with Cam Akers injury, and we will always focus on Cam Akers because he's just that dynamic and special. But let's not forget they got Sonny Michelle for a reason. And, and Sean McVay and the coaching staff, when they seek out a target. They have a reason for seeking out that target. And so they've been working well together. Daryl Henderson with the majority of the snaps and Sonny Michelle. Um, so that's a that's a dynamic duo tandem that people need to watch out for, I think, a little bit more than what they have. And I think they're going to be able to exemplify that on Sunday night when the, when the nation is watching. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, of course, you know, plenty do expect the Rams to win just from what I've listened and heard and things like that. So, uh, the Rams win this game Sunday night if they do what? Play defense all four quarters and make sure that, that on all three phases of the ball, they are they are top-notch in playing their style of football, which means you don't call, you don't throw turnovers. You take care of the football on special teams. You make sure that on defense, much like how we saw against the Tampa Bay Bucks, that was probably the best outing of that defense for all four quarters. I mean, they got up for Tom Brady. They got in his face. The same thing I have to do with Ryan Tannehill. Get in his face, knock his, knock him on his keister, and make sure that they make, they frustrate him enough where he starts throwing interceptions or at least overthrowing his receivers. And also, too, Matthew Stafford has to continue to move the ball. They have to continue to spread the ball out. And, again, time of possession is going to be key for this team. And if they continue to do that, the Rams will walk away with another Sunday night football victory which will make them 2-0 on the season in Sunday Night Football. Yeah, definitely. They love the bright lights. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's Hollywood, baby. It's L.A. You got to bring it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. Now, I do have to ask, the Titans' best way to win this game is what? Hope that Matthew Stafford, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Sony Michelle, Daryl Henderson, and the rest of the defense just continues to, and the, and the other side of the de, uh, other side of the Boston said that the LA Rams defense just completely falls apart. That's the only hope they have. They have no hope against this team. And I know Titans fans and people in your neck of the woods are gonna be pissed off at me and call me a homer. That's fine. I'm not because I'm not a fan of either team. I just I just continue to cover the team and do my job. But I know what I see, and I have four eyes to prove it. So therefore, unless the Rams just completely fall apart at the seams, which I don't see happening. That is the only way they beat the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday night. Well, that's probably a tough pill to swallow for a, a lot of Titans fans. I will say that uh, I got some water for him. <laughs> one thing I look at is, uh, you know, uh, controlling the game, controlling the clock would be the biggest thing they, they could probably do to kind of limit the possessions. That'd be probably the biggest thing I would say. But uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be a challenge, especially without Derrick Henry. And, uh, 
just want to, you know, take time. Thank you for coming on, man. And just let everyone know what you're working on, what you got going on, how they can reach out to you and everything. Well, thank you for having me first and foremost, man. I greatly appreciate it, man. Thank you for being so patient as well. I know we were supposed to do this a little earlier, so I apologize for that. Uh, but, you know, when you got uh, when you at Rams practice and they tell you, hey, somebody's coming on here and somebody's coming on there, you got to get done and then do a story on top of that. So I uh, thank you for uh, your patience and allowing me to come on your program. Uh, yeah, you can catch me at nightcastmedia.com. That's N-I-T-E-C-A-S-T-M-E-D-I-A.com. Your gateway to sports, pop culture, entertainment, community, and tech all rolled into one. Also, you can make sure you subscribe to me for the latest interviews in the world of sports and entertainment at youtube.com slash nhexperiencetv. That's youtube.com slash nhexperiencetv. Uh, catch me every Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145, TMA with Nick Hamilton. Hey, man, you don't know what we'll get into this week. But you got to take a listen, man. It's up. So make sure you take a listen. You get to a lot of different topics. And we just have fun, man. Me and my producer, Jake Warner, we have fun on the show and just try to bring the topics the way we know how to bring them, man, out here in these streets. Well, I will say this. I don't know any harder working person in L.A. than Mr. Nick Hamilton. And uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for uh, giving us some of your knowledge uh, today. And for those that aren't aware, Nick wears glasses. He doesn't actually have four eyes, y'all. So no, I do. I do wear glasses. That's what it is. And my third eye is always open. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on. You've been watching. Hey. Touring, you've been listening to Touring the ASC South with your host, Mike Patton. This Woody. Welcome back to Touring the AFC South. I'm your host, Mike Patton, and we all know about the games. Of course, we've talked about uh, the Titans and Rams a lot in this episode, and mainly Derrick Henry. Uh, but I know all you remember watching NFL Films pod, uh, uh, broadcast, you know, with the old tapes and everything, and, you know, the sound and all those type of things on the sideline, reliving moments of yesteryear. My next guest actually works for NFL Films. Yes, we're, we're talking to somebody that works for NFL Films. On to talk a little NFL and also, of course, NFL Films is Amber Vickers. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great on this beautiful Wednesday evening. Mike, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, so how long have you been working for NFL Films and what exactly is it that you do? I've been working there since August, so I'm new. <laughs> Still <in> my first, <laughs> first 90 days. Um I work in field ops. So field operations is what you see. Basically all the cameramen on field, the audio, we handle and take care of all of that. So I am a production assistant for them. And then I'm a runner. I run at football games. I'm actually going to be doing the Ravens game this weekend. So I'm very excited about that. Then I go to different shoots. I'm going to New York in a couple of weeks. They're going to do a shoot at the uh, owners. They're going to have owners meetings. I'm going to go do that. So I get out in the field and work. And I also work in the office. We just book crew and make sure the crews are booked and then 
I get the joy of seeing how everything operates behind the scenes, behind the camera and also in front of the camera. So it's pretty, pretty amazing. Wow. So you actually do you actually get to like pick some of the shots too that happen? I don't get to pick the shots. No, the directors and the cameraman, the DPs, and they, they handle all of that, but I get to see how they shoot it. So that's, that's really interesting. I don't get to see how they break it down because it goes to a different room, but I get to see everything else, which is great. Awesome. Awesome. Now, aside from working for working, uh, you know, for NFL films, uh, who is your favorite team? And can you think of your favorite moment from NFL films that you, you've seen regarding them i'm a cowboys fan guys do not throw stones at me the cowboys are doing well this season i'm not bragging i I told mike in the dms i said look i am a humble cowboy fan i am a realistic cowboy fan i know it's been a while since we've won the Braves just won so I'm, i'm hopeful i'm very hopeful but nfl films just did hard knocks with the cowboys they just did um hard knocks with the cowboys i watched that my mom watched it I said, Mom, that's that's what I do at NFL Films. It's hard knocks. So they just did that this past summer, right before I started. And then it bled into, of course, August. So hard knocks for the Cowboys was very interesting to watch. I really enjoyed that show. Oh, well, we you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna hold it against you. You know, of course, <laughs> you know, I already know you probably get the jokes from time to time mm-hmm. and uh about the last time we went to ring and all those type of things. So you know, we're going to let that ride for right now. We're going to leave that alone. However, uh, one person that's been riding out on the rest of the NFL until the last game is Titans running back Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like I said, we talked about him earlier in the show and about his injury. But what I want to know is how much of his games been watching the NFL, the NFL films world since you've been there? They break down clips. You know, everything is a quick clip these days. Everything is a quick clip. Um, NFL Films goes to all the games. So they have a crew for all the games. His pad and stiff arms are the best. Um, He is a powerful runner, but he's very fast. When he gets away from that second level, those linebackers, he just goes. I think they clocked him at like almost 22 miles per hour for a guy that big and that strong. I mean, are you kidding me? So... I always like to watch, you know, the ESPN next gen stats to see like how fast is Derrick Henry going, you know, and his yards at the contact are amazing as well. The offensive line in Tennessee, they they do great for him. I mean, Mike Vrabel came from Bill Belichick coaching tree and run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, Ryan Tannehill, we need you to throw it, you throw it. He's got some big time receivers there in Tennessee, but Derrick Henry has been I think he surprised people. I think he surprised people. He just got better. He just got better and better and better. I didn't expect those long runs from him. I didn't. (laughs) So shout out to all the social teams, the cameramen, the audio. Shout out to all you guys who get Derrick Henry footage because I know it's very difficult to do when he does it so much, but you want to get other stars involved, like you want to get the A.J. Browns involved, you know, and things like that, but he he's just great, and I didn't expect this from him. I mean, he could really – he changes a franchise, and it's crazy to say that about a running back, but he changes a franchise. Yeah, he definitely does, and, uh, you know, it's, of course, sad that we, we, we probably won't yeah. see him uh, the rest of the regular season. It, it hurt, but, it, I mean, it is what it is, and injuries are a part of the game. Um 
you know, going away from, from Derrick Henry and kind of digging a little bit more into the AFC South, the only team that has really been talked about, you know, of course, uh, outside of them in the AFC South is the Indianapolis Colts. I know you have probably seen some of Carson Wentz with the Colts. Of course, you know, everyone's seen some of him at this point. You know, the double sprained ankles in one game, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure a lot of jokes about that. Um, of course, NFL Films captured uh, the title season when he was playing for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he was injured on their way to the Super Bowl win. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever, do you think he ever captures that type of form again in Indianapolis like he did before he got hurt in, in Philly? He's not really having a bad year. He's not. I mean, statistically, he's not. He's played pretty pretty well. Their best receiver is T.Y. Hilton. We all know that. But he can't stay healthy to save his life. He's got a, a great running back, Jonathan Taylor. They have not played bad. Their record says they're bad, but look what they did against the Titans. They took him to overtime. Yes, he threw that interception in the end zone. Yes, he did. Can he capture that again, though? I'm not quite sure. It's hard to be great back-to-back seasons. It's just very difficult. Pat Mahomes, for example. The Chiefs have just not played well. They have not played well. But Pat Mahomes has been great with the past, what, two or three seasons? And it just seems like the wheels have fallen off in Kansas City. We don't know what's going on. Just imagine Carson Wentz had that MVP. He was MVP before he got hurt. And to see Nick Foles come in and win that Super Bowl, I wonder how that made him feel. Like, did it take a hit to his confidence? And then they drafted Jalen Hurts. And they're like, you're like, wait, what? In the second round, you're like, okay, well, he's going to sit behind me. But Carson Wentz just hasn't been healthy. I wonder if his health had anything to do with his confidence. Could he capture that in Indy? I think he will see glimpses, but I don't know if he can get that, like, again. It's going to take a lot for him to get that again. But you do see glimpses. I don't think he's had a bad season. It's just that the Colts are not playing well as a team. And we know that wins are not a quarterback stat. But <laughs> a lot of people look at the quarterback when teams lose um, because he is the he's the general on offense. So I don't think he's had a bad season. It's just the, team, the Colts are not playing well. And that division is not very good. You would think, like, okay, the division's not good. You would think, but I don't know what to say about Carson. I'm rooting for him. I I just think with the injuries, the confidence is probably just not there like it was before. The thing with him I I look at a lot is he likes to play hero ball a lot. And Mm -hmm. that was the biggest thing in in Philly. He would hold the ball and play hero Mm -hmm. ball. And he's had a few moments like that where, you know, he threw the ball right to the guy in San Francisco. Yep. And he threw the ball right to another guy versus the Titans. So, you know, it just, it, I, you know, he has his moments, like you said. But, yeah, can he do it again? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one. I'm not mm-hmm. sure because, you know, it, it, too many of those, uh, like, things were going way too good. And then, you know, you're just expecting that other shoe to drop or something happening. You just mm-hmm. expect it. But, um. Instead of, you know, of course we talked about the Colts, but, uh, you know, the Houston Texans, we got to talk about them. Mm-hmm. They have a conundrum on their hands, of course. They have a player they cannot trade and will not play for them at Deshaun Watson. Uh, of course, he, he surely put up some great film for the Texans over the years, but that's all over at this point. Uh, how do you see this saga ending? 
the front office for the Houston Texans, remember, they traded DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of peanuts. I don't know what to say about the Houston Texans. I, I'm really lost for words. Uh, their ownership, we know what happened within their ownership about, you know, the racist comments and things like that. That that franchise is just, it's in turmoil. And I see why Deshaun Watson does not want to play. Now, he's dealing with legal issues. We won't get into that because that could be a whole other, you know, show. I don't think he plays for the Houston Texans again. I, I don't think that happens. Where does he go? I'm not sure. They announced today because, you know, today was the trade deadline that they weren't trading him. Today was a just a crazy day in sports. But what do you do with him? Like, what exactly do you do? I don't know if he's still getting paid or not. I'm not he's quite still sure. Paid. Oh, boy. All right. So they're he's still getting home. Yeah, they're paying him staying home. I'm pretty sure he's working out privately and things like that and staying in shape. Deshaun Watson is a very, very, very good quarterback. What he's been able to do with that offensive line, it's just been in the numbers he's been able to put up is amazing. I had him on a couple of my fantasy teams, and let me tell you, <laughs> I he he won me a couple of weeks, but the Texans as a whole, just the organization is just a mess. It's just a total mess. So it does not surprise me that they're still paying him. He's sitting out. I just really wish we could get this legal situation situated because I would really like to see him play football again if he's an innocent man, of course. Gotcha. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting thing to watch. Definitely uh, from uh, the perspective of seeing the the whole uh, division as well. It's just, you know, you, you miss him on the field, but then again, you know, you do also got to take care of the legal things. And that's a lot of uh, – Civil and criminal complaints to, to combat at one time. I mean, yes. yes. Um, of course, you know, last but certainly not least, we got to go to Jacksonville down in Duval. <laughs> uh, not much does look good out of there, to be honest. I mean, it, it mm, you know, maybe maybe the, the one game where they beat the Falcons or where they beat, I'm sorry, where they beat the, uh, was it Miami they beat? There's Miami. There's Miami mm-hmm. they beat. Mm-hmm. The one game they beat Miami in London. Now, the mm-hmm. end of that game, they pulled it out, won that game, of course. Uh, not much has looked good down there. I mean, in the games, we usually see Urban Meyer looking frustrated and bewildered at the moment uh, in some aspect. Uh, with how the season's going, do you see Urban coming back next season to give it a go? And if not, will he get an NFL film story on his tenure? <laughs> now, here's the deal. Urban got his guys in there, right? He drafted Trevor Lawrence. He got Travis Etienne. They played played the same college in Clemson. Travis Etienne gets hurt. Trevor Lawrence is having rookie woes, which is perfectly fine. He's a rookie. You see those flashes, though. You, you see those flashes. But he still shows the same mistakes he was making in college, reading coverages, throwing in the traffic, throwing interceptions. He had those problems in college. But – Will he? He could just get away with them in college. That was yeah. He could get away. Yeah, because Clemson's defense was pretty darn good. Like you know, this is not Clemson's defense. It's Jacksonville's defense. Plus, defenses were were slower too. Also. Oh yeah, of course. You got linebackers (laughs) running four twos in in the NFL, and I just for the life of me don't understand how that's possible. But hey, (laughs) will he stay another year? I know he left college because of health reasons. He probably doesn't stress as much in the NFL because he's a grown man. Like right. He's a 53 grown man, plus whatever's on your practice squad. The coaching staff you have around you. The NFL is less stressful, 
but it's more cutthroat, I believe. I think the NFL is more cutthroat. How patient will the Jacksonville Jaguars be with Urban Meyer is really the question. You drafted a rookie quarterback. You knew what you had going into the season. You knew the weapons you had, what you drafted. I mean, you have to. Pre- you can't predict injuries, right? Travis Etienne goes down. I think he would have been a big part of that offense. I loved him at Clemson. But I'm not sh- – I said they'll give it another shot. I said they'll give him another year if he wants to do it. Will NFL Films make a documentary about his – that would be very interesting to see a story about Urban Meyer, you know, going from college to NFL, leaving college because of health issues. Then he goes to Fox Sports, I believe, and does, you know, Big Noon Saturdays. Then he decides, you know what, I think I want to give my shot to the NFL. Goes to the NFL, draft Trevor Lawrence number one overall, gets his running back mate um, out of Clemson. That would be an interesting story to tell. And then the incident on Twitter <laughs> where, you know, you know, he did what he did, you know. But I don't know if he'll be there another year. The story would be interesting, but him staying two years, I could see it more often than not. Now, if they just don't win another game, they're going to get the number one overall pick probably again, top three pick maybe. And who do you go get? Kevon Thibodeau out of Oregon. Okay. You got your franchise guy and quarterback. So what do you do there? So I don't know. I just, I don't know. Cause college is just so different from the NFL. It's just so different. Understandable. Understandable. Now, I'm just over here thinking about people that could play Herbin Meyer in like an actual movie. I could see that happening at one point in time. I mean, can, can we can we throw uh, can we throw Luke Wilson out there potentially? We we could we could we could throw Luke Wilson out there. Um, I'm, I'm just thinking of people who could play Urban Meyer because he was such a passionate guy in college. Like you know what I mean? He was so passionate. And then you saw the health issues start to come about, which makes sense because he was so passionate. I'm trying to figure out why Pete Carroll is still up and, and, and moving at his age and with the passion he has. So that would be an interesting film to make. Um, NFL films would probably put something together, you know, documenting his colleges and getting players and ex-coaches and then, you know, talking about his commentator career and then probably shift to his NFL career and how long that's going to be coach career. I don't know, but that's interesting to see. Right. Right. And finally, uh, NFL films captures some of the greatest moments in the biggest game. In your opinion, what two teams will be, Uh-oh. will we be looking forward to making memories at the Super Bowl in Los Angeles this season? And I know you're going to say probably the Cowboys, but who does Listen, I got I got two teams from both conferences, right? Of course, I want to see the Cowboys and the Arizona Cardinals because Kyler Murray, I went to the University of Oklahoma. So Kyler Murray is near and dear to my heart. They're playing very well. I'm a huge DeAndre Hopkins fan. I didn't like Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech, but now I like him since he's at Arizona. So I cheer for the Cardinals every week. So those are my two teams at the NFC I would like to see. The Baltimore Ravens or the Buffalo Bills, I would like to see. Now, here's some interesting, just a small interesting history. You know about the OU connection with Kyler Murray. Of course, Hollywood Brown plays for the Baltimore Ravens. Mark Andrews, one of the highest paid tight ends, played for the Baltimore Ravens. 
the Buffalo Bills and the Cowboys in the Super Bowl would bring back 90s memories that I loved as a child. Like that would just bring back so much in me. Like I remember watching those Super Bowls in the 90s with the Bills and the Cowboys. You get new blood, right? Josh Allen, a young quarterback. Lamar Jackson, a young quarterback. Dak Prescott, a young quarterback. And Kyler Murray, a, black, a young quarterback. And then you get black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, which I love to see. So between the fan connection, the 90s rivalry, you know, the OU connection and having new blood, I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing either of those four teams in the Super Bowl. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, well, I would have thought you might have said the Titans, but, you know, I understand. What they're doing. If they if they had Derrick Henry, I would probably <laughs> throw the Titans. <laughs> but that's a I, lot I, to make up for. They're, he's probably 60% of their offense. Yeah, they definitely does take uh, take a huge chunk of their offense, and uh, you know, I'm just I'm just kidding with you. I'm just kidding, but uh, you know, definitely uh, was uh, good spending time uh, talking a little NFL films and what goes on behind the scenes, as well as diving a little bit into your sports sort of your sports knowledge with the uh, AFC South. Um, thanks for coming on, and can you tell everyone where they can reach out to you and what all you have going on? Well, right now, I used to do a lot. I used to record a lot college basketball, college football, NBA, NFL, but my life has changed. <laughs> but I just have the podcast, Step Back Sisterhood. It's on Apple and Spotify, I believe. And then you can follow me on Twitter. I just have Twitter, uh, simply me underscore AV. All right. All right. Well, I thank you for coming on. Uh, and everyone, you've been uh, watching and listening to Touring the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. Thanks, Mike.